This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. Volume 14, Number 7, from July of 1936. Cornerstone. Author Unknown. Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? This magnificent poetry from Job, chapter 38, verses 3 to 7, sets forth the challenge of the great architect to his suffering son, and seems definitely to tie up the idea of a cornerstone, a foundation, a beginning with man's littleness and unimportance. Some such inchoate thought in the dim beginnings of civilization must have led early man, conscious of his weakness, to think his buildings required supernatural protection. Men built long before Job and confessed their fears that the spirit of the earth, the air, of nature would destroy what they erected unless a spiritual defender haunted the structure to defend it. As the gods were far stronger than men, what was sacrificed to them must be of the best. Hence arose that incredibly awful rite of foundation sacrifice, in which human victims were walled up in the cornerstones, thrown bound into the hollowed foundation to die a miserable death of suffocation, or, more mercifully, be crushed to death by the stone laid on top of their trembling bodies. Two schools of thought profess to give us the actual origin of foundation sacrifice. That it was necessary to protect a building from enemies, the angry ghost haunting the structure to drive away those who would injure it, or that it would appease the gods, especially Mother Earth, because of the load thus to be placed upon her. Legendary accounts of human sacrifices in connection with buildings are found in all lands and times, from that which has St. Columbia burying St. Oran alive in the foundation of a monastery, to the walling in of a child in the building of the castle of Liebenstein. In Italy, the bridge at Arta, so legend tells, fell down as fast as it was built until they walled in the master builder's wife when it stood, but in response to her dying curse, trembled always in use. The familiar child's game, London Bridge is Falling Down, has been traced by ethnologists to a legend that a human sacrifice was consummated when it was first built. In Africa, Borneo, and Polynesia, foundations have been laid on human victims, and even today, 
animal or fowl sacrifices are made in connection with the setting of center poles in some savage tribes. In his book, Foundation Rites and Kindred Ceremonies, L.D. Burdick says, quote, In building a house in Alaska, until it came into the possession of the United States in 1867, human sacrifices were common in making the foundations. It is said at the present time the same ceremonies are enacted, with the exception of the sacrifices. The earlier ceremony is described by one familiar with it. A spot is designated for the fireplace, and four holes dug for the corner posts. A slave that has been captured in war, or is a descendant of such a slave, is blindfolded and compelled to lie face uppermost in the place selected for the fireplace. A sapling is cut and laid across the throat of the slave. At a given signal, the two nearest relatives of the host sit upon the respective ends of the sapling and thereby choke the slave to death. Four more slaves are crushed in the post holes with a club ornamented with the host's coat of arms. End of quote. Sir Walter Scott has preserved some of the horror of the ancient practice in verse. Yet well the luckless wretch might shriek, well might her paleness terror speak, for there were seen in that dark wall two niches, narrow, deep, and tall, who enters at such grisly door shall ne'er, I ween, find exit more. And again, And now that blind old abbot rose to speak the chapter's doom, on those the wall was to enclose, alive within the tomb. Charles C. Hunt, noted Masonic authority and librarian, gives the following instances of human sacrifices in connection with the laying of cornerstones and the foundations of the buildings. Quote, in Polynesia, the center pillar of the Temple of Myrva was planted in the body of a human victim. In Siam, the gates of the cities were erected on posts under which four or eight persons were buried alive, their spirits being supposed to act as guardian angels. In Burma, we read that the city gates of Mandalay were swung on posts erected on a living child. Four persons were buried alive in the foundation of the walls of Sandel, and one at Granderkes. A babe was buried in the foundation of the Church of Blex in Oldenburg, and under the cornerstone of the old Church of Brownsover, near Rugby, England, two skeletons were found. When Hyle the Bethelite built Jericho, we are told he laid the foundation thereof in Abiram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof in his youngest son, Segub. This custom is alluded to by Shakespeare in Henry VI. Look here, I throw my infamy at thee. I will not ruinate my father's house, who gave his blood to lime the stones together and set up Lancaster. Also in King John. There is no sure foundation set on blood, no certain life achieved by others' death. Later in King John, the king's nephew, as he leaps from the castle walls, exclaims, Oh me, my uncle's spirit is in these stones! End of quote. 
customs remain. The reasons for them change. We throw rice after a bridal couple. How many knew it is a symbol of fertility? A man doffs his hat to a woman. Survival of a day when a knight removed his helmet to show he knew he was in the presence of one who would not harm him. The small boy says, By golly! totally unaware that he repeats a corrupted ancient oath when men swore by gall the hand to tell the truth and offered the right hand as a sacrifice if they lied. Freemasons lay cornerstones with corn and wine and oil, and in the hollowed center put the book, the picture, the coin, the newspaper of the day, many all unknowing that these are the remains of the ancient superstition that without a human sacrifice to provide a protective ghost to haunt the building, it will fall. The familiar practice of dedicating, constituting, and consecrating a new lodge with corn, wine, and oil also has its roots in the ancient foundation sacrifice. In time, human victims were replaced with animals, and these were gradually supplanted with the fruits of the earth. The Hindus think that the spirit of a human sacrifice enters the body of an animal, the spirit of the animal, when sacrificed, enters the earth in which it is buried, and grows and lives again in the plants. Thus, corn, wine, and oil, grain, grape, and olive, became in time symbols of the ancient, dreadful sacrificial rites. In days of long ago, a slave's neck was broken across the bows of a newly launched vessel, that his spirit might forever protect it. We break a bottle of wine, fruit of the earth, but the symbolism is of sacrifice. The practice of laying a cornerstone with ceremonies, making it a special occasion of rejoicing or solemn consecration, is as old as the art of building. Ezra, Jewish historian, describes the laying of the cornerstone of the second temple, replacing that built by Solomon. Quote, and when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals, to praise the Lord, after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. End of quote. Cornerstone laying was so important in biblical times that its symbolism is used by the sacred writers and appears throughout both the Old and New Testaments. Cases in point. From Isaiah 28 Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. From First Peter Ye also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. From First Corinthians for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. From Ephesians 2, Ye are of the household of God, 
and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. In his Evolution of Freemasonry, Delmar Duane Dura states, Quote, the first record of the laying of a cornerstone by any Masonic body is to be found in Mist's weekly journal of May 26, 1722. The affair took place in connection with the building of St. Martin's in the field. After the first stone had been laid by the Bishop of Salisbury, the account states, The first stone of the foundation, at the same corner above ground being twelve feet above the other, was laid with a great deal of ceremony by the Society of Freemasons, who, on that occasion, were very generous to the workmen. Anderson, in his writings, records that it being a royal parish church, King George I sent his Lord Almoner and Surveyor General, attended by Brother Gibb, the architect of that grand pile, with many Freemasons in solemn procession, from the palace to level the footstone of the southeast corner by giving it three great knocks with a mallet in the king's name and laying upon it a purse of one hundred guineas. When the trumpeters sounded, all joined in joyful acclamations, and the craftsmen went to the tavern to drink a toast to the king and the craft. Cornerstones are laid in the northeast corner. Entered apprentices stand in the northeast corner of the lodge. The point midway between the darkness of the north and the brilliance of the east was chosen by ancient builders as the point of beginning. A spot to mark a birth, a commencement of a new structure. Obviously, he who stands in the darkness has no light. Just as obviously, on whom falls the whole light of the brilliant east and its rising sun is not in darkness. Halfway between, then, is a symbol of a beginning. The traveler has left the darkness and moved toward the light. Those who build have left the darkness in which is no building and progressed far enough towards the light to lay a foundation stone. What better place than that which by its position symbolizes movement away from blackness into the day? The symbolism of the northeast corner in the entered apprentice's degree is the same, and of course taken from this ancient practice of laying the cornerstone in the northeast corner. He who stands there in the lodge, a just and upright mason, is himself a cornerstone of the lodge which will be. A lodge is erected not only by, but upon her sons. The entered apprentice of today is the veteran of tomorrow. Even as all cornerstones laid with any ceremony, Masonic or otherwise, connect with the ancient idea of sacrifice, so the entered apprentice in the northeast corner is a symbol of the sacrifice of his passions and prejudices, his ignorance and selfishness to the doctrine of the brotherhood of man. The history of all sacrifice, for whatever purpose, is one of a gradually winning away from blood, human life, suffering, 
first to animals, then to plants and grain, finally to symbols. German legends tell of the walling in of an empty coffin in place of the human victim. Other builders buried a burning lamp, which, extinguished by the stone, gave up its ghost to protect the building. Legend says that the city of Naples is built upon an egg, and an egg, though not itself living, contains the germ of life. It will come as no surprise to the thoughtful Freemason to learn that many attempts have been made to connect the legend of Hiram Abiff with foundation and cornerstone sacrifices. Many legends tell of builders and architects who have erected some wonderful structures, only to be killed that no rival to their handiwork ever be erected. But legend and folklore are often parallel streams. They drain a period of history as a thousand rivers may drain a continent. Sometimes they meet and form one, like the tributaries to the Mississippi. Other streams flow separately into the ocean. There seems to be no inescapable logic connecting the legend of the master builder with foundation sacrifices. Nor is there need. There is every evidence that our symbolism of corn and wine and oil, our foundation deposits, perpetuate an old, old custom, once unhallowed, now sanctified with age. That our entered apprentices in the Northeast are symbols both of foundations for the future and of sacrifice of human nature for brotherhood is undoubted. Our legend of Hiram goes back to the old mystery religions, still teaching as gloriously as of old the answer to Job's despairing cry, If a man die, shall he live again? It is for Freemasons to rejoice that in the very body of ritual, sublimated from a coarser age to customs beautiful and tender, are so many rivers of legend and of fancy, so many ethereal and intangible remains of the birth of knowledge, the beginnings of religion. When we think of Freemasonry as a repository of traditions old when Rome fell, it becomes to us not merely just another organization, but what it is, the oldest of all systems of philosophy and ethics, veiled in allegory and taught by symbols, the highest and noblest aspirations of man. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, and this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions, and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.